You guys ready for the word? So who was here last week? Wow. Man, if we could ever get like all everybody here on the same week, oh, it would be good. It would be just full. So uh, last week, Caroline uh, gave a powerful word about the importance of communion. Yes. See everybody. Uh, saying, agreeing with that. Uh, so if you missed that, uh, you can listen to that online on the podcast or it's still on YouTube. Uh, if you want to check that out, we keep them up on YouTube for a couple weeks. So then you see we're in a series, Open Bibles, Open Altars. You guys been enjoying that? Uh, we just kind of launched into that about three weeks ago. Jeremy launched us into it. And when he did, he said this, Open Bibles and open altars are, it's both spirit and encounter. I mean, spirit and truth, sorry, spirit and truth. (laughs) It's growth and encounter. It's joy and conviction, right? He said, desiring one without the other is like desiring seed without soil or fire without wood, right? Okay, so with that being said, let's open our Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 7. And of course, we are going to open the altars. The altars are never closed. They're always open, okay? (laughs) Uh, And as we're opening our Bibles and we're turning to 1 Samuel chapter 7, we're going to desire spirit and truth, joy and conviction, growth and encounter, right? Yes. Yes. All right, so before I read, I wanted to review a little bit of what I talked about a few weeks ago about what an altar is. And altars are places of consecration where we bring a sacrifice to, work, to um, make a declaration about what we believe. Altars are places of consecration where we bring a sacrifice that makes a declaration about what we believe. And then I said, there's three elements to this type of altar. There's consecration, and consecration is um, that which we set aside as belonging to that which we worship. It's setting aside a place as belonging to that which we worship. And then there's sacrifice. Sacrifice is the price we pay to worship what we believe. Okay? And then sacrifice fuels the power of our declaration. And the declaration, um, our, our declarations demonstrate what we believe, okay? And what we believe is determined by the altars that we built. Okay, you guys okay so far? Yes. All right. So let's read in 1 Samuel, Samuel chapter 7. We're going to start in verse 2, okay? We're going to read quite a lot, but it's okay because it's good. You guys ready? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Verse 2. It was a long time, sorry, verse three, my bad, verse three. And Samuel said to the whole house of Israel, if you are returning to the Lord with all your hearts, then rid yourselves of the foreign gods and the asterisks and commit yourselves to the Lord and serve him only. And he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. So the Israelites put away their bells and their asterisks and serve the Lord only. There's consecration, Okay. Then Samuel said, assemble all Israel at Mitzpah, and I will intercede with the Lord for you. When they, had when they had assembled at Mitzpah, they drew water and poured it out before the Lord. On that day, they fasted and they confessed, we have sinned against the Lord, and Samuel was the leader of Israel at Mitzpah. 
When the Philistines heard that Israel had assembled at Mizpah, the rulers of the Philistines came up to attack them. And when the Israelites heard of it, they were afraid because of the Philistines. And they said to Samuel, do not stop crying out to to our God for us so that he may rescue us from the hand of the Philistines. Then Samuel took a suckling lamb and offered it up as a whole burnt offering to the Lord. And he cried out to the Lord on Israel's behalf. And the Lord answered him, their sacrifice. While Samuel was sacrificing the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to engage Israel in battle. But that day the Lord thundered with a loud thunder against the Philistines and threw them into such a panic that they were routed before the Israelites. The men of Israel rushed out of Mizpah and pursued the Philistines, slaughtering them all the way to a point below beth Then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shin, and he named it Ebenezer, saying, Thus far, the Lord has helped us. There's declaration. So the Philistines were subdued and did not invade Israel territory again. Throughout Samuel's lifetime, the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines, and the towns from Ekron to Gath that the Philistines had captured from Israel were restored to her, and Israel delivered the neighboring territory from the power of the Philistines. Okay? You guys okay? Amen. All right. So the declaration that came from this altar was, thus far has the Lord helped us. Okay? So in order for us to understand the significance and the importance of this declaration from this altar, we have to go back to the beginning of the story. Okay? You guys ready? You okay? You awake? All right. Stay with me. All right. 1 Samuel, the story begins in 1 Samuel chapter 4, okay? Israel went out to fight against the Philistines because the Philistines were occupying uh, territory that had been given to Israel as an inheritance from the Lord. But the Philistines defeated the Israelites and they lost 4,000 men. And so the people of Israel got together and they said, okay, we're gonna, we've experienced the defeat. We're gonna go get the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, which represents his presence, and we're gonna bring it into battle with us so that we can be victorious. Sounds good, right? So when the Ark of the, of the Lord came into the camp, it says that they raised such a shout of victory that the ground shook. And when they did, the Philistines heard the noise and they became afraid, and they said, a God has entered their camp. And now we're in trouble. And they said, not only that, like we've heard about this God. This God is the God that delivered them from the hands of the Egyptians. So what are we going to do? But they rallied together and they were challenged to be brave and fight. And so they defeated the Israelites again. And this time, instead of losing 4,000 men, they lost 30,000 men. And in addition to losing that many men, it says that they captured the ark of the Lord and they brought it home with them to Philistines. But the bad news, but the bad news didn't stop there. When Eli, the high priest in Israel, when he heard the news that the ark had been captured and that his two sons, which were the priests that brought the ark into the camp, when he heard this, he fell over and died. And in addition to this, his daughter-in-law, who was the wife of one of the priests that were killed, she heard the news and she went into labor and she gave birth to a son and with her dying breath, she named him Ichabod. And Ichabod means where is the glory? Because with her dying breath, she said, the glory of the Lord has departed Israel. Like this was a day that there was bad news after bad news after bad news. 
right? And when we read the story or when we hear the story, we find ourselves wondering, like, what went wrong, right? The Israelites were, were fighting to take possession of the promises of God, something God had given them. They experienced a defeat, but they didn't give up. They went and they got the presence of the Lord and they brought the presence of the Lord close and they invited the Lord into their battle. They gave this great shout of victory before the battle ever started, this shout of faith, this shout of victory. They made this powerful declaration and yet it still ended in defeat. And so we wonder like, what happened? Why did it still all end in bad news? Okay, you guys okay? Yeah. <laughs> all right. So don't we ask ourselves the same question sometimes? Like we're fighting for something the Lord has given us. We experience a defeat, so we don't give up. We press into the presence. We invite the presence of God to come closer. We lift him up as a banner. We shout the shout of faith. We shout the victory shout before we see it. And yet it still ends in defeat, worse than before. And we wonder what went wrong. What happened? I thought I was doing everything I was supposed to do. What happened? Okay. You guys ever wonder that? (laughs) Thank you. Me too. So (laughs) this is what happens when you separate declaration from consecration and sacrifice. They had the declaration. They had the powerful declaration. But it was separated from consecration and sacrifice. This is what happens when the presence of God is used like a tool in our toolbox that we pull out when we need a powerful declaration. And then we put it away when it's time to sacrifice. Okay? You guys okay? So, that's, a, that's, a, uh, that's a word you got to sit in for a minute, right? Me too. I've been sitting in it all week. <laughs> so in, in Samuel chapter 7, when we read, when Israel consecrated themselves, it says that they put away their bells and their asterisks. And that seems like really far away language to us. So let me put it in today's language for you, okay? So bells represent the desire to pursue prosperity without surrender to the Lord. And asterisks represent the desire to pursue pleasure without consecration. Okay? Now we can relate, right? Bells represent the desire to to pursue prosperity without surrender. And asterisks represent the desire to pursue pleasure without consecration. So what Israel wanted was a God who would respond to their powerful declaration while they pursued their own prosperity and their own pleasure without offering their surrender or their consecration. Right? Now we understand what went wrong. Okay? You guys okay? So remember in the second battle, the one that we read where they were victorious, um, In the battle, Samuel set up a stone and he called it Ebenezer. Or in the Hebrew, it's Eben Ha-Ezer. And it means stone of help. 
okay? And that was the declaration. Thus far has the Lord helped us. Okay, what's interesting is in the first battle, whenever they experienced this great defeat, the place where they had the battle was named Ebenezer. Okay? That was the place, it was also the place of their defeat. So you can imagine, it still means stone of help. So you can imagine when the ark of the Lord came into the camp and they raised such a victory shout, they were saying, our help is here. Like the Lord is here to help us. Now we're going to be victorious, right? Um, But they had the powerful declaration. They even had the belief in the Lord, but it still ended in defeat because there was something about the help of the Lord that they did not yet understand. Okay? You guys okay so far? So... um, So in order for us to understand what they were missing between battle number one and battle number two, um, I want us to look into the Hebrew meaning of the word for help, which is Azar, okay? Ebenezer, Eben Ha Azar, Eben means stone, Ha means of, and Azar means help, okay? You guys okay? All right, so when we think of help, we tend to think of help as something or someone that provides assistance to us or contributes strength for for us to be able to accomplish a task or satisfy a need, right? So we tend to think of help as something that makes our life easier, makes us more successful, or satisfies a need that we have, right? Okay, so in this scenario, when we think of help this way, what we are doing is we are reducing God uh, as someone who works for us or someone who serves us. And when we do that, we approach the Lord this way. God, I need you to give me some assistance so that I can accomplish this task. God, I need you to give me some strength so that I'll feel better. God, I need you to rescue me from this situation. God, I have this need I need you to meet. God, I have this request I need you to fulfill. And we are the director. And we start to direct the Lord about how he can help us with what we're doing. And so we direct the Lord and we tell him how to help us and then we wait for him to respond with his help and answer our need, right? Sometimes, okay. (laughs) Y'all don't do that, okay. So, (laughs) So, but the Hebrew meaning behind the word help carries the foundation of covenant partnership, okay? This is the kind of help that comes based on the terms of a covenant. And it's the kind of, of partnership that, that brings its help based on the vows made in the covenant even before you ask. It's always working for the best interest of its partner. So when this kind of help comes, it lends its strength not just for us to accomplish this task, but for us to be stronger. Because my strength is your strength. And it gives everything that it has to empower the other partner to go further than they ever thought that they could because it believes in them. And it will go to any length to rescue and it will pay any price because it knows the value of the worth of the other partner. Okay? The help of the Lord comes with partnership. And its foundation is consecration. 
okay? Without consecration, there's no partnership. So then we just approach the Lord like, God, perform this for me. God, work for me. God, serve me so that I'll feel better, so that my life will be easier, so that I can accomplish these things for you. I need you to serve me without consecration. But with consecration, we know that his help is ever present. And we don't even have to ask. We can ask, it's okay to ask, but we don't even have to ask. We can just lean into what's already available and what we know is already there. And then our declarations come from partnership. They come from relationship. And then our desires are his desires. And then like we are moving in his footsteps and we're not asking him to follow us into battle. We're following him into battle. You see the difference? (laughs) Okay, so in the first battle, Israel asked God to follow them into battle so that they could be victorious. And when they did, they were, treating, they were treating God as their servant. Come and help us in what we're doing, okay? Um, but in spite of their mistake, God's help was still present. Because God's help is not based on our direction. It's based on his covenant and his partnership with us. Okay? So while they did not accomplish the task of winning the battle because he didn't move at their direction, but yet he was still helping them. He continued to help them even as the ark was carried off into enemy territory. He continued to help them to the point where the Philistines, after a few months, they said they came and they brought the ark back to Israel with offerings of gold. They were like, here, take it back. (laughs) Please take it back. Not only do do we want you to have back what we stole from you, but we're gonna give you an offering of apology. And we're gonna say, we're so sorry we took this from you because we see now that it really belongs with you. God made the enemy bring back what they stole with interest. That is the help of the Lord. He's always working for us, not at our direction, but in the terms of the covenant. Okay, we have to know what the help of the Lord is. And then their second battle, they began with consecration, right? And after their consecration, the enemy says, hey, I think we're going to go attack them because that's what the enemy does, right? He's like, oh, I think they're, they're starting to get something. I'm going to go and... I'm going to go and see if it's real. And (laughs) so after their consecration, the enemy says, okay, I think we're going to go attack them. And then in the middle of their sacrifice, the enemy starts advancing, starts engaging them in battle because the enemy views sacrifice as weakness. He's like, oh, they're vulnerable right now. They're sacrificing. We're going to go take advantage of them. But sacrifice is what you do when you're in a covenant relationship. Because then it's not just you, you're together and you're doing it together and you're in it together. Because the first time in the first battle at Ebenezer, they had this great loud victory shout, right? And it shook the ground and it was fierce and the enemy was afraid for a minute, but it didn't stop them. They kept coming. But the second time, 
when they lifted their victory shout, they were, they were consecrated. They were in partnership. They had their covenant partner with them. So it says that God thundered. And he added his thunder to the shout. And then the enemy started running the other direction. They were like, I, I can withstand maybe the, the, the belief and the, and the fierce shout of Israel, but I can't withstand the fierce shout of Israel and God together, working together. And so they started running, and Israel started chasing them, and this time they got the victory. And their place of greatest defeat, their first Ebenezer, became their place of greatest victory. And they set up a stone, and they said, we're going to call it Ebenezer. We're going to call it Ebenhazar. We're going to call it the stone of help. We're going to make a declaration and we're going to say thus far has the Lord helped us because the first time we didn't understand what we were doing and we were asking God to work for us and we were asking God to serve us and somewhere along the way we understood we're in partnership. And now the Lord, not only do we need the Lord's help right now, we've always had it. And now we understand that. He's always helping us. That is the help of the Lord. In spite of their mistakes, in spite of the fact that they didn't get it, in spite of the fact that they had other gods, in spite of their failures, in spite of all these things, he still helped. And they made that declaration because help is based on the terms of his covenant, not our direction of what he should do. Yes. All right, you guys okay? (laughs) So um, as we like, as we close this out and we have time um, of encounter at the end, uh, I want to give you like an example of this story and how it's worked in my life, okay? You guys okay with that? If I didn't get rid of my microphone, okay. So when I was about... 20 years old, it's a long time ago. Um, I had this coworker, and I became friends with his family, and it was the kind of family uh, that it just seems like everything was easy for them. Just everything always worked, and everything's great and marvelous and wonderful and all the time, and everything's perfect and wonderful and great. And <laughs> my life wasn't like that at the time, or at least that's not how I thought about it, okay? I, I didn't have a right perspective. And, but I love them and they were great people, but it was like every time, you know, they had all these things and then it's like, they would wake up one day and just be like, oh, I think I want this. And then like next week it would just fall in their lap and it was, they would just be like, oh, the Lord is so good. And I'd be like, that's not my experience, but okay. Uh, <laughs> I was 20. So, um, one time they went on this trip and it was this amazing, wonderful, beautiful trip and they came back and they're telling me all about it and uh, all these things. And they say, hey, we brought you something back. And I was like, oh, that's, that's so sweet. So perfect, right? So perfect. Thank you. That's so sweet. So they, um, I opened it up and it was this stone um, sign or plaque and painted on the, on the stone plaque, it said, expect a miracle. And so I was like, <laughs> I was like, outside I was like, oh, thank you. That's, that's so, that means so much. And it did. I mean, I was, I was thankful, but on the inside I was like, you have got to be kidding me. <laughs> like, you've got to be kidding me. So, uh, so I set it on my desk and I went throughout the work day and every time I looked at it, I'd be like, oh, 
I'd just roll my eyes and be like, oh, of course. And then, so I started to plot and I started to plan about what I was going to do with this thing when, it, when I got home. <laughs> and I started, I started to plot how I was going to destroy it. Okay, because it wasn't that I was angry at them. I love them. It wasn't that I was angry at them. I was angry at the declaration. Okay, and so I was like, okay, here's what I'm going to do. When I get home, I'm just going to throw it as hard as I can. It's going to feel really good. I'm going to throw it against the concrete. It's going to break apart, and then I'm going to go get a sledgehammer. And I'm just going to pour out all my frustration and all my disappointment. And I'm just going to crush it until it's just dust. And I don't have to think about it anymore. And so, and so I was driving home. And the closer I get to home, like, there's this wrestling inside of me. Because, like, there's a part of me that's getting really excited. That this is going to feel really good to do this. And the other part of me is feeling the conviction of the Lord. Because I know, like, this is, something's not right about how I feel about this. And so there's this wrestling inside of me, and I get home, and I'm like, okay, I can't throw it. I can't, like, but I didn't know what to do. So I brought it in my house, and I set it down, and I just stared at it. And I was like, now what, Lord? Look, you won't let me destroy it, so what do I do? And he says, I'm going to tell you what you do. He said, I want you to hang it in your bedroom so that when you wake up every morning, it's the first thing you see. And I was like, I don't think, Lord, I don't think you thought this through. Like, this is not good for me. And, but, he, but I didn't have language for it at the time, but I knew that what he was doing is there's a part of me that was not consecrated to the Lord. And it was under the influence of an authority that was wrong in my life. And that I did not see that declaration through the partnership of the Lord. And so he said, I want you to look at that every morning when you get up. I want you to look at that until you start to believe it. So so I'm going to be honest. It took months. Months. I would wake up. Because it was a time in my life, like the four years of of high school had been bad news after bad news after bad news after bad news, and that was my life. And so I would wake up every morning, and I would look at it, and I'll be honest, for months, I just wanted to throw my pillow at it. I hated it. And then I would sit at the edge of of my bed, and I would just surrender it to the Lord. It's like, Lord, this is not right. My reaction is not right. My belief is not right. This declaration is not coming from a good place. And I would surrender it. And I would do that every day until one day I would open my eyes and I would look at it. And I would be like, I get to expect a miracle today. I get to start my day expecting a miracle. And then pretty soon I didn't need to look at it. I just woke up and was like, let's go, Lord. It's the, today is the day for a miracle. I didn't need the sign anymore. It just became a declaration from my surrender and my partnership and my consecration with the Lord. Do you see how it works? Thus far, the Lord has helped me. See, I thought what I needed was to feel better by, by crushing the thing that, that made me angry. And he's like, I'm going to take that weakness and I'm going to turn it into a strength. Because you're not in this apart from me, you're in this with me. Okay? And today, today it still hangs in my office. It doesn't hang in my bedroom anymore. I don't, I don't need it. But I keep it because it reminds me 
thus far, the Lord has helped me. That's not a like, oh, like, it's it's a declaration that his help is ever present and that we're in partnership together. And it's not just me making a declaration. We're doing this together in partnership and in relationship. Okay? That's the foundation of consecration. All right, you guys can stand up. Um, Lad, you can play that list. We have about... Oh, we have 15 minutes. Good. We have plenty of time. So uh, you guys have plenty of time just to come and um, just everything may be great in your life and, and perfect. And you just need to tell the Lord, thank you that your help is ever present. And sometimes you just maybe you just need to go back to the point of your greatest disappointment. And you have to ask him to show you the help of the Lord. And that he has always been there. And that he's still helping you, even though it felt like a defeat, even though it felt like a disappointment. It's because we had a wrong perspective. We were directing him instead of letting him direct us. And I encourage you, not even just today, but go home and make Make a stone in your house or some kind of a marker in your house that marks the help of the Lord in your life. Lord, we thank you for your covenant. We thank you for your promise. We thank you, Jesus, for your blood that seals the covenant. We thank you that your help is ever, ever, ever present. We thank you that you cover our mistakes and you cover our failures and you just, it doesn't matter that we directed you to the wrong place. You just continue to help because your help is based on covenant. Thank you that you love to meet with us. Thank you for places of consecration in Jesus' name. You guys are free to just stay. You're free to leave at any time. Uh, Make sure you go get your kids um, out of Children's Church uh, before 12, okay? Love you guys.